Today, we're going to talk about the Alpha and the Omega. Let's go to the book of Revelation in chapter 1. We'll start there, dive right into the word. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's go ahead and bow and pray. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this morning as we begin to try and just unpack really something that is hard to understand. You, God, are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end God, you're the start of everything, and you will be the end of everything, and there is really even no beginning to you, God. So uh, please help us, be with us this morning, and God, please help, uh, help me be able to communicate clearly these ideas uh, from the book of Revelation and just in your word. Lord, we love you, and in your son's name, amen. Today I want to talk about the Alpha and the Omega, one of the names that Jesus has called in the Word of God. Uh, but first I want to touch on just a little bit of background uh, to the book of Revelation. Uh, first and foremost, we've got to recognize that there's a lot of interpretations to Revelation, and a lot of people like to take it and try and build these elaborate formulas of exactly when Jesus is going to come, and, and exactly how many people are going to be saved, and all these different things. We don't have time uh, to really dive into all of that. We're not going to focus into all those different interpretations. But here's the things that we do need to know. Okay, John is the author. This is John the Apostle. So he walked with Jesus, knew Jesus, and, uh, and he was the author of this book. The, the people that he's writing to, his audience, they're the seven churches of Asia. And as you can see uh, you know, in chapters 2 and 3, there's these seven letters, and they all have different problems. And John's addressing these different churches, and, and we can certainly learn from those churches. Uh, for example, like the church in uh, Laodicea, right? They were known to be, okay, you guys are lukewarm, but you've got to either choose. You've got to be hot or cold. You can't be just in the middle, make a decision. And so uh, John was helping these different churches uh, in those different ways. Um, uh, the book is a series of, of visions uh, that were received by John while he was exiled on the island of Patmos. Uh, this, um, no, I don't have a picture there. I, I was going to maybe put up a map. That's okay. It's so small. The island is so small. But he got exiled. Why did he get exiled? You can probably guess because he was preaching the word with such fervor. And they're like, we got to get this guy out of Asia. <laughs> and so he's writing a letter to all the churches that were still in Asia, but he was exiled because of his faith. I don't know. That's pretty inspiring to me. I don't know about you, but I have not preached enough for the powers that be to send me off on an island and say, you're not allowed in our country anymore. Uh, I think that that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty inspiring. Uh, but today we're just going to try and unpack just a couple of verses 
Let's look back at verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1, okay? This gives us a sneak peek about the message of the rest of the book, and so let's go ahead and read it again. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You know, we should remember that even though that this is a, a book about prophecy, and it's talking really from chapter 4 to 22, it's all stuff that has yet to come. It's all talking about the way that things are going to be, you know, when Christ comes back again. But we should remember that it's also a book that's about Jesus. It's a book that reveals to us the character of Jesus, who is the Almighty. It starts off by saying, look, he's coming with the clouds. This is something that just points to Jesus. I I think it it can remind us and show us that really, from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible, it's all about Jesus. Everything in the whole Bible, it all points towards Jesus. And it's verses like this that say, look, and we, we, we take our attention and we focus in and we look to Jesus. We also were reminded that he's, he's going to come back. I just want to encourage you with that. He's, he's coming back. Sometimes it might not feel like that, but he is, and he will, and he'll be there for us. Uh, let's, go, let's look at John 14. Uh, I want to talk about when he makes that promise for us uh, in the Gospels. John 14, verse 1. Verse 1, John 14, says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Let's stop right here. Think about, think about what Jesus is saying here and the promise that he's making for us. That If we're faithful to him, he is preparing a place for us and he's doing so right now. That's exciting for me to think about that man, Jesus is preparing a place for us to be together in the future. He's promised that. It's a reliable promise. It's something that we can put our trust in. And like Luke was talking about, hey, we can have doubts that Jesus is going to deliver on his promises. But what I want to encourage us with this morning is that we have no reason to doubt that he's going to be truthful to his promise. He's going to deliver on this. The Bible is absolutely full of these promises. And what we read in Revelation 7 and 8, it says that he's the God who is, who was, and who is to come. And so we also should grab on to the promises that have been said and that have not yet come true. Because all of the promises in the Bible, the prophecies that have been made about him, they've all come true. So why would we even begin to doubt that the promises that he's made about us and where we're going to be with him would be true? We've got to grab on to that and live by that, be inspired by that on a day-by-day basis. God is faithful to his promises. Look, pay attention to the fact that these promises, promises are reliable. 
redirect yourself back to Jesus and his character to know, I can trust this guy. Uh, let's go to Matthew 24. Uh, this is just a continuation of this promise and the character of Jesus. Matthew 24, verse 30. Verse 30 says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. It is promised that Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come back with power and with glory. The Son of Man's going to come back and He's going to gather to Him His elect. He's going to gather us together to bring, uh, to bring us with Him. That's an amazing, amazing promise. How often do we remember that Jesus has promised us these things? You know, Satan doesn't want us to remember these promises. He wants us to get stuck in the drudgery of following a list of to-dos Day in, day out. He wants us to lose sight of eternity. He wants us to lose sight of the trueness of these promises that God is giving us. We can't allow Him to win that battle. He wants us to believe that Jesus will not be true to His promise, but we've got to believe the Alpha and the Omega who has the first word and who has the last word. If God says that this is the way it's going to be, we've got to grab onto that and say, this is the way it's going to be. Um, uh, there's a pretty humorous story here in the beginning of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Uh, I don't know what it is about clouds, but it, you know Jesus is going to be coming on the clouds, and he departed into clouds. I don't know. Maybe uh, Jesus won't come back if it's a bright, sunny day. I don't know. Uh, but there's something about clouds that's kind of funny. Uh, we can sometimes get our head stuck in the clouds and lose sight of our purpose, uh, similar to the apostles. Check this out. This is kind of funny. I, I want to put myself there. You put yourself there too and look at this conversation. It's kind of humorous. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. At this point, Jesus just uh, promised his apostles that they're going to be clothed with power on high. They're going to have the Holy Spirit come down and help them to be godly. That's a good promise, right? It's a promise that we too now have as well if we're baptized into Christ, that we have the Holy Spirit that is going to help us be godly. Right after he said that, though, Jesus is like, peace out, and he leaves, <laughs> floats back into the, into the clouds there. Verse 9 says, after he said this, this is after he made that promise to them, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. <laughs> they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. You can just imagine, right? They're, they're just kind of, they watch Jesus float up, and then they're, oh, where'd he go? We don't know. And then uh, all of a sudden, there's these two angels that are there. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. They're like, look, he's gone for now. You guys got some work to do. Get to work. Stop looking up into the sky. <laughs> He's going to come back, but don't worry about when. Be a disciple here and now. The, the disciples literally get caught with their head in the clouds. <laughs> Next time that you're outside, I don't know, and you're looking up at a cloud, uh, think, man, today might be the day. 
Today might be the day that he comes back. But don't get stuck there. <laughs> don't get stuck there. Uh, let, let's get back to work. Um, flip over to 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I, I want to kind of expand on this a little bit more. You know, we don't know when it's going to be. Uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. But uh, there's something that we can be certain of. It's going to happen. The Alpha and the Omega says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to be. Uh, 1 Thessalonians kind of gives us an idea. Okay, well, now that we're here and we've got our heads stuck in the clouds, uh, what do we do? <laughs> what, what's next? How do we respond to not knowing? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Well, that's a vivid image, right? Uh, that uh, a pregnant lady going into labor really doesn't have any control to stop the labor. The baby says, hey, I'm coming, and there's no stopping that. It's just going to happen. Uh, tomorrow is uh, my son's first birthday, uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, I can very quickly recount the story of Michelle going into labor. Uh, I had been, uh, th at this point we're in Vermont, and uh, I had been tasked with uh, selling an old sound system for the church. And so I had been like setting this up uh, for several weeks, and uh, I, I had found a guy that wanted to buy our old sound system, and we live in this small, like, 700-square-foot apartment, and I've got all this sound equipment, and Michelle's in the bedroom. She's like, I don't feel really well. I might be going into labor. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, uh, are you sure? We're like a month out from the due date. Just, just hang on tight. I've got to sell this sound system. <laughs> this, guy, uh, this guy had driven, like, three hours uh, to be with me, and to, to, to buy this thing, and I'm like, you're probably dehydrated, just, you know, get a drink of water, like, and, and Michelle was also very calm, like, I don't know, maybe, and I'm like, well, this does not look like a woman in labor, as far as I am concerned, uh, I'm gonna sell this sound system, and so I go down, and, and I bring this guy up to the apartment, he's looking at stuff, and he's like, yeah, I'd really like to test it out, and so he's like testing it out on my guitar, I'm like, Okay, let's, let's go, guy. And all this time, my, my wife's in the other room, uh, definitely in labor. And um, uh, the guy leaves, and then I, I go back in. He was only there for like a couple of minutes. But I, I go back in, and I'm like, how you feeling, Michelle? She's like, I think I'm in labor. Let's go. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's go. Uh, we take Michelle there, and uh, she walks herself all the way up to the front desk. Like, I'm in labor now, I called ahead, and, and uh, she was like super calm. I'm like, this doesn't seem how I thought that this was going to go. And uh, uh, later on, we find that like all the nurses, all the doctors uh, were like, we did not think that she was in labor. Uh, we, she was too calm. Uh, but there, there's no stopping it, though. It, you know, there, there's no stopping it. it. Like, whether or not I thought it was going to happen or not had no bearing on whether or not it was going to happen. Hey, could you just stay inside here for a little bit? Like, you, you don't get to say that. Baby's coming. Verse 3 says that while people are saying peace, safety, <laughs> that, that kind of similar to, like, our birth experience. Like, oh, everything's good, uh, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. <laughs> they will not escape. 
You know, a, a, a thief in the night uh, doesn't announce his presence. Uh, yeah, I'm a robber, I'm coming in now, uh, prepare yourself. It, it doesn't happen like that. It, okay, so, so what do we do with this? Uh, you know, it's coming, and we don't know when it's going to come. Let's keep on reading. Verse 4. It says, But you, brothers and sisters, are, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to darkness. If you're a child of God, if you're living in the light, it doesn't matter when He's going to come. Bring it on, Jesus! Come right now! I'm ready for you! What becomes a challenge is if we're not there. We're not ready yet. And we don't know when the labor pains are going to come. And it might lead to destruction. We can't be so prideful to think that we have time. Because we really don't know. We really don't know. If you're a child of light, though, you don't have to worry. And you can be encouraged to say, man, Jesus, come when you're ready, because I'm ready for you. Will's sitting here thinking like, yes! I'm good to go, baby! Last week, uh, this sermon might have hit you a little harder there, brother. Um, so does that mean that we can just sit back, relax, and say, cool, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, just come back whenever. I'm ready for you. In some senses, yes. But I would say that that heart describes what the apostles were in that momentary uh, you know, scene that we have where they're looking up at the sky to say, okay, uh, now what? <laughs> what do we do next? What do we... Man, these guys understood that there was work to be done. And so they went out into the world and they gave their lives so that the people around them would not be stuck in the destruction of the child pains. They realized, man, we got to get out there and tell people about this man, this Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. We got to get out there. Let's not get caught looking at the clouds. Back to Revelation 1, uh, verse 7. I'm just going to read this again. Look, He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all peoples of earth will mourn because of Him. So shall it be. Amen. Every eye will see. Have you caught that before? It says, even those that pierced Him will see Him. You think about, I think that this, um, it can work literally or figuratively. We can literally think about the guys who pierced Jesus' side. Think about them seeing Jesus coming back. That's kind of a mind-blowing scenario to put yourself in. And uh, then they, they realize who he really is. But like Isaiah 53 talks about, why was Jesus pierced? He's pierced for our transgressions. We're all responsible for that piercing. We're all responsible for him needing to go to the cross for us. We will see him. They will see him. You know, we all have family and friends, co-workers that don't know Christ. You know, people's lives around us are in shambles because they don't know the joy that comes with, li you know, with living their life as disciples. We've got neighbors that don't even know our names and they desperately need the gospel. They don't desperately need you. 
but they do need you to open your mouth so that they can hear about Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Are you letting Him be Almighty in your life? The All-Ruling One. He's in charge of every aspect of your life. Who you go out on dates with. Who you, like, who you spend your time with. What job you're doing. How you respond to conflict. What you do on your job. Who you talk to. How you talk to them. It's the Almighty. The beginning and the end of every conversation. Does He dictate what you do? He's got to be the All-Ruling One. You know, at, at first, when He came, He came as an infant. He came, you know, certainly as perfect. But when He comes again, He's coming as the ruler. And we've got to be ready for that because at, at a certain point, His patience will run up, uh, will run dry. We are, uh, we are right now in a great time of grace and we have an opportunity to turn towards Him. But when He's coming back, uh, we've got to be sure that we're ready. Uh, flip over to Romans 14. Romans 14, verse 11, it says, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Uh, verses like this are easy to glaze over and to say, Oh, well, thank goodness I don't have to yet give my account now. And certainly God is merciful, but we've got to be realistic about what He says that every knee will bow, every tongue will acknowledge God. I'd rather be on the side where I'm acknowledging that God is who He says He is now rather than when He comes later on. I'd much rather that be the case. Every knee will bow. This day is coming where everyone will acknowledge the truth. Let's, let's help our friends. Let's help our coworkers. Let's help the people that are around us get there to be able to acknowledge the truth. Uh, let, let's, let's study out our Bibles and be able to help our, our friends, these people that are around us. We, we, we don't want to get caught with our head in the clouds and just waiting for God to come back, but not taking the responsibility of sharing Him with the people that are around us. Uh, let's flip back over to, to Revelation, but now in chapter 21. This is another instance of Alpha and Omega, and I wanted to read this to us as well. This is a little bit of heavy stuff, but I think it's important for us to hear these messages every once in a while. Nod your head, say amen, yeah. We're on, this, we're on board, good. Revelation 21, verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, they'll be consigned to a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wow, man, it's way easier to end at the end of chapter 7, or the end of verse 7. Uh, and they will be my children. Uh, and then you just stop there, and you don't read the rest. Um, you know, I'm not saying this to try and instill fear and, and just have people, you know, uh, 
just feel the weight of their sin necessarily. Now, I think that it's important for us to recognize the truth of this verse. But we have to take it in accordance with, with, the, the, with verse 7 as well. I was talking to Will yesterday. Uh, this is great after the memorial, and uh, we were talking, and uh, he was recounting a Bible study that he was having with Peter. And, you know, we were talking about the fear of God, right, and how it's, it's good to have a fear of God because he's God and we're not. And there's a certain amount of respect that goes with us understanding that. However, the Proverbs say that fear is just the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we get caught up there and we're just stuck there in fear, we don't get to experience the joy of being his child of being somebody that has promised an inheritance to live with him, to be with him. What does verse 7 say? It says that those that are victorious will inherit all of this. I will be their God and they will be my children. You know, I've just been a father for one year, right? But I already know that I want to be able to give my son everything I can give him. I want to give him the best life, the best experience. I want to give him everything. I want this for him. You know, uh, Michelle and I, uh, we, we took these trips to uh, Columbia, Missouri, and, uh, and to Chicago to visit the ministry and training programs, and uh, we brought Caleb with us. And uh, the trip to Chicago, no problem. Two hours, that's about a nap time, you know? But when you go to Columbia, four and a half hours... That's not exactly nap time, right? So you get part of nap time, and then baby wakes up. And then what do you do? And so your baby's crying, and you've got you like miles and miles and miles until the next rest stop. What do you do? And I'm just like, man, I, I just want him uh, to not have to suffer through being in the car for so long. Uh, and then, you know, you see the gate of heaven open, the golden archways <laughs> And they've got a play place. <laughs> you know, I've never in my life appreciated a McDonald's so much in my life. Like, I got there, and not only was it there, and it was an okay place to have a meal, but they had a play place. A, a, a wondrous land of enjoyment for my son. It w- I mean, it, it filled me with so much joy to see him crawling around and enjoying life and being happy. Like, Man, when my, when my child smiles and when he's enjoying life, it's, there's nothing else to describe that. There's, there's nothing else. You see your kid having a good time. Oh, man, I can't describe the feeling. And, and God wants that for us. He wants us to be able to enjoy the riches of the inheritance that he's trying to give us. But the stuff in verse 8 gets in the way. It gets in the way. It's not just a list of things that you shouldn't do, but it's the thing that prevents you from having a relationship with God. It's the thing that prevents us from being able to experience the joy of this relationship. Let's go over to John chapter 1, and we'll uh, begin to, to close out here. It's all right to be afraid of God, and I encourage you to have a healthy fear of God. But what I really want you to grab on to this morning is that God wants for you to be his child, 
and he wants a relationship with you. John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, think Alpha, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He became a man, yet he wasn't accepted by men. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You guys see that? The Alpha, the Omega, the creator of the world, he decided, I want to be their father. I want them to be my son. That was his will for us, even though we didn't accept him and we rejected him in, his, in all of his perfectness. You know, uh, I think too often uh, we lose sight of the end goal. And the end goal is that we can be with God in heaven someday. Now, what's awesome, though, is that we get to live with God in the here and now as well. We get to experience the joy of being obedient to Him. We get the privilege of being able to serve Him in the here and now. There was a mentor that I had a long time ago, and, and he said, Josh, look, if your motivation is just to not go to hell, you're missing the big idea. Like, even if heaven wasn't promised to me at the end of life, I would still choose the life of a disciple in the here and now because of all of the blessings and joy that it leads to in this life. We've got to be able to grab on to those truths. Let's close out today by going to Revelation 22, verse 12. We don't know when the day will come. We know, though, that every promise that Jesus makes will come true. Revelation 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God holds time in His hands. He's the Almighty. He's in charge. He's in control. It might not feel that way sometimes. You see evil in the world. You have challenges in your own life. I get that. But that's why we're here, to bring the light and the goodness of the Gospel to those around us. To bring that light to those who don't have it on their own. The Alpha and the Omega proclaims His control. He's from the beginning to the end. He covers everything. He's the subject of the entire Bible. He creates everything, sustains everything, holds everything together, and in Him everything will end. Don't lose sight of the end goal. His control extends through all time. He was in control in the past, and He will continue to be in control in the future. Let's be motivated this morning to pursue holiness, to share the message of Christ with our friends, and really to be able to grasp on to the truth of the Alpha and the Omega. Let's pour every resource that we have into being able to carry out the, miss the, the mission of the Gospel. You know, We don't know when the end is going to happen, but we can know one thing for sure, that Jesus will be at the end of all things. 
Let's be sure that today we're ready to meet him if he decides to come back today in the clouds. And let's also decide to go out to our friends, to our family, to our strangers, to our neighbors, and to be able to share this message with them as well. Amen.